have your Bibles today, if you'll turn to Luke chapter 7, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6. Last night was one of those nights where I think I slept, but I was in a debate all night. And... uh had been asking God to lead and guide for this service and didn't really know what I was going to do. Uh, usually not because I don't have a message. I usually have about 15 of them. It's just picking the right direction to go. And uh, what feels right and what feels led of the Spirit. And so I started this morning uh, we got here about, I think, 7.15 or so, and the Lord just kind of started opening his word to areas of Scripture that I had not read yesterday or the day before. And then Randy taught on what he taught on and just confirmed what God is doing. So, and for those of you that are newer to Spirit of Grace Church, I don't tell our teachers what to teach. I don't need to. God does. Unless we're doing some kind of a series, and we've been here now, Almost 14 full years. Declan turns 14 in a month, believe it or not. That's how we measure it. We came when he was two months old. And uh, I've only asked them to teach a specific lesson one time. So God has orchestrated this day for somebody. But I'm reading from Luke chapter 6, starting at verse number 45 in the King James. And I don't know exactly how this message is going to go, but I do believe that the Lord is going to speak to us. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That's why, just on an aside here, you can tell where you're at with God when you listen to yourself talk. Are you talking in terms of doubt, lack of faith, anger, hatred? I would suggest you find an altar. If you're talking about the things of God and the exciting things of the Lord, there's a good chance you've been to the altar. Verse 46, And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Now, I didn't say that. Jesus said it. And somebody needs to hear it today. Because the term Christian, and I'll come back to the scriptures in a minute, but the term Christian is an overused word. Christianity, believe it or not, is still classified as the number one religion of the world. You wouldn't know it by how the world is operating. Because I believe this, I believe there's a lot of people that have identified themselves as Christian, and, and if you're a Christian, that means you call Jesus your Lord, and Jesus himself is asking these people, why are you calling me Lord, but you don't do what I say? That's the response I thought we'd get. That hurts a little, doesn't it? Have you asked yourself that? Lord, and he's echoed back, well, how can you call me Lord? You haven't been doing what I've... I'm not talking about keeping the Ten Commandments and all. I'm talking about, did you do what he asked you to do today? And Randy blamed Carol for some things in his Sunday school lesson. But Carol was just the conduit for God to get a hold of Randy. And I know he knows that. But we are living in an age where I believe the Lord is trying to tell a people, all right, you decide, who are you? Are you mine or are you yours? And if you're mine, it means you're going to do what I've asked you to do. 
Verse number 47, Whatso, or whosoever cometh to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. This is what he's like. If you're doing what God is asking you to do, here's what it, you're like. You're like this. You're like a man which built a house and dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. Can I just tell you the waves of society are getting stronger and stronger. But if you have built on the rock, you're going to be all right. But he that heareth and doeth not, notice, both people heard. But one responded to what they heard and one didn't respond to what they heard. And doeth it not, a man without a foundation built a house upon the earth, or upon sand, if you will, against which the streams did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. I, I want you to notice just between verse four, 48 and 49, just a, a little hint there. Notice that Jesus said, when the flood arose, in verse number 48, and in verse 49, he doesn't talk about the flood, he just says the stream. Can I tell you, when you are a part of him, and you know him, you have elevated yourself beyond the stream and into the flood. So don't turn your back on him when the waters get high and the waters become overpowering what God understands if your feet are on the rock it doesn't matter how high the flood gets you're going to be okay but if you're built on the wrong, wrong foundation it just takes a little stream to wipe you out somebody's got a little needs a little grit today Need a little oomph today. I, I read a, well, let me just give you my title before I go further. Built from the inside. Built from the inside. Now, if you read the previous part of this chapter, um, I, I, it, it's talking about how to judge things. And uh, in fact, in verse 37, it says, don't judge and you won't be judged. And, and again, I've always been making sure that Scripture is preaching what it says. And we quote verse 38 all the time talking about money. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall man give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you. Again, the problem with that is that Scripture's not talking about giving money. That Scripture is talking about giving judgment. Now that hurts. Because we like verse 38 when we're talking about money. If I give, I'm going to get back. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. But do you want to know what verse 38 is? It's a scripture to freak out by. Because if you judge, the scripture says, when you give judgment, you're going to receive it back pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now that's scary. How many has ever judged anybody? Well, at least you're honest. When we judge people, we are setting ourselves up for a greater judgment. Why? I'll tell you why. Because this whole passage is talking about how we're built. How you and I withstand 
all of the things around us, how are you built? Are you built on the Lord or are you built on yourself? Are you built on the things of God or are you built on the sand of the earth? Where is your building foundation? And let me just say this on a side note. The foundation is the nastiest part of the building. That's why nobody sees it. But they will see it. Not the foundation, but they'll see the outcome of how good of a foundation you have when the storm starts. Are they seeing the cracks? <laughs> Are they seeing the floor begin to dip? Are they seeing the, the walls begin to shift and the ceilings begin to shake? What's happening when the thing? People aren't looking for a lean-to. People are looking for a brick building that will withstand those storms of life. And dare I say that you and I, as the church of the living God, have the opportunity to be exactly that for somebody I'm here today to challenge somebody. Do an inspection on your foundation today. How are you being built? Are you being built by bringing this piece of equipment in and this kind of material in and this and this and this and we're putting it up? Because the more you bring in to build, the less you build because the building has to happen from the inside out. What is Jesus speaking into you? What is, because here's the thing. And Jesus talks to you different than he talks to me. If he talked to me the way he talks to some of you, I'd get scared. And I know if he talked to you the way he talks to me, some of you would freak out. Because we're all different, and we have different personalities, and we have different understandings, and we have different levels of knowledge of the Word of God, and we have different levels of the Spirit of the Lord because we're all at different stages in our relationship with Him. So I can't give you a five-point way of building your foundation because your foundation is built based off of the relationship that you have with Jesus. How much time have you been putting into your relationship? You see, a lot of us, uh, in the natural, this is the way I am, I, I, I believe in doing things the right way the first time so I don't have to do them over again. I had, when we were looking for a house to buy, this great realtor. And he drove us everywhere. And we saw all kinds of houses. Probably drove him a little crazy. And it came down to three homes. And so Randy's trying to, he's trying to check off the list. The problem is, is my wife changed the list halfway through. Came down to three houses. There was a house on Cary Street. There was a house on Wedgwood. And there was a house on 114th Lane. And we started looking at it and comparing it. And the house on when they were all relatively the same cost. And the house on Wedgwood was beautiful. It had a three-car garage. Didn't have a fenced-in backyard. And you really couldn't get to the backyard without going through the garage. So that was kind of a turnoff. But, man, the kitchen was huge. And then the, the house at Cary, that was great. The thing that I didn't like about the Cary house was that the driveway was kind of on a slant. And I don't like doing ice on a slant. But it was a nice big house. Three, the, 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 the kitchen was a little funky. And so Randy, the first thing he said when he walked in, he said, now, Trish, don't freak out about the kitchen. We can fix that. And it opened up into a nice, beautiful park in the back. And then he took us to 114th Lane. It was a little bit smaller. It was only a two-car garage, nice fenced-in backyard. But you want to know what turned me towards the 114th Lane house? Well, that too. But beyond the flat driveway, it was maintenance-free siding. The two other houses didn't have it. 
I knew I'd have to either be painting or replacing in the next few years. And at the house on 114th, I've lived there since 2014. And I haven't done anything but spray it down with a hose. It's my kind of house. If I could ever get my wife to concrete the backyard, I'd be in good shape. That might happen in a couple years when Declan graduates and leaves. We don't know. But can I tell you something? Too many of us are living our lives for Jesus in a maintenance-free zone because we don't want to take care of the outside and we don't want to replace the paint and we don't want to replace the... And so we have done this one-time-fits-all thing with Jesus and says, I love you, Jesus. You love me. Now I'm maintenance-free. But Jesus has stepped into the house today to remind somebody that there is no such thing as maintenance-free Christianity. That Christianity is a relationship and a journey and a trek, if you will, that Jesus from time to time pulls us aside and says, "Mm, it's time to work on this. Oh, he's working. I want you to turn over to Proverbs chapter 4. I love Jesus. Now, I don't know if I've just crossed over that age where I'm starting to get nostalgic a little bit more. Uh, Unless I live to 104... There's more years behind me than there is in front of me. And so I've been thinking about some things recently. Don't worry, I'm not in a midlife crisis. But I have recognized some things in my life. And I have been pulling up, thank God for YouTube, I've been pulling up some old messages from some old-time preachers voices that have spoken into me in the past, and I've brought up some old-time messages that I have. I have some cassettes. For those of you that don't know what that is, it goes into a little thing, slides in, you slam it, and you hope to God that it doesn't get caught. But I've got some cassettes of a gentleman that by the name of S.G. Norris, before he lost his voice. And that genuine preaching. I've been to listen to that kind of stuff. T.F. Tenney. I've been listening to Dave Norris on YouTube. I've been, I've been listening to some old-time Pentecostal preachers that have gone on. G.T. Haywood. I've listened to Johnny James. I've listened to all kinds of, and as I've been listening to it, here's what it's been doing to me. Making me hungry. God, I want more. God, I want more. I want more of you. I want to understand you more. I want to lean into you more. I want to know your word better. I want to sense your presence better. I want to be used in your giftings more. God, I need to sell myself out to you once again. I need to do some maintenance on my building. I need to fix the paint job. I need to fix the leaks. I need to, I need to rearrange the furniture. Some of my stuff has become outdated. I need to replace it with a fresh anointing. In Jesus' name, it all started Wednesday this week, planning their wedding. Out of the blue, out of the blue, he mentions a name that goes way back to the 80s that he knows, that he became connected to, and the name just started echoing in my head. Because I knew the name. I've not met the person. I'm hoping to meet the person in a couple weeks. I have not met him. But my dad preached a message at Oak Park Penitentiary 
1986, I believe it was. I believe it was April 24th, 1986. I know that because I've been reading the man's book who I've had on my shelf for a long time. And, and, and he, he says, evangelist Frank Sanders preached a message on the champion of champions. And it was the moment that he received the Holy Ghost. Small world, right? So that's what I've been dealing with all week. Blame it on Brian. But it gave me such a hunger. God, make sure the building is the way you want it to be. God, I've decorated it with things that may or not be pleasing to you. They're not illegal. They're not sinful. But they're the wrong decorations for what you want it to be. Take them down. Move it out. Change it up. God, anoint me afresh. Help me, God, to guard myself from the things that will change my foundation from being on a rock to being on the earth. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. We're going to dig a little bit into Hebrew. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Huh? Keep your heart with all diligence. Can I tell you what that word keep means? It means be on guard. Can I tell you? Listen, I'm being pastor today. Some of us are watching the wrong thing. Some of us are listening to the wrong people and to the wrong things. We've got the radio tuned in to the wrong channel. We're hearing the wrong voices. It's not because they are sinful. They're not out there trying to destroy you. But we have begun to listen to some things, some reading some things, watching some things that have allowed it to seep in. And it's like carpenter ants that have gotten on the inside of the foundation and they've started eating away. And all of a sudden we start struggling and we wonder why we're struggling. Can I tell you it's because we haven't kept our hearts. With all diligence. That sounds like an intense word. Diligence. In the Hebrew, it means this. A place of confinement. A prison. Heavily guarded. Keep your heart. The heart is the inner man. It's where your soul is, where you make your decisions, where you, where you, where you uh, surrender, where you operate, and it, dis, it, it dictates how your life is going to be. Guard it. Put it in a prison. Lock that thing up and say the only one that has access to it is the one who owns it. Don't open it for a spouse. Don't open it for a child. Don't open it for what you think you're going to hear. Don't open it. Only open up that heart when Jesus puts his key in it and says, okay, it's time to give you a new anointing, a fresh touch, Because, and then let me lock that door and let me guard it again. So my foundation is strong. Because if the door is locked, my relationship with my wife will turn out right. My relationship with my kids will turn out right. My relationship with my friends and coworkers will turn out right. For out of it, out of what? Out of your heart are the issues of life. I don't know why, as I was reading that, the word issues stuck out to me. Because some of y'all got some issues. And issues of life, I want you to hear that again. The issues of life come from where? The heart. The issues of life doesn't come from your finance. 
The issues of life don't come from your relationships here on the world. Your, your issues that you have are not coming from Satan. The issues that you have are coming out of you. That's why we've got to build from the inside out and not from the outside in. Because if you build from the inside and the foundation is strong and the structure is strong, it doesn't matter what comes to you from the outside. When the devil comes knocking at your door trying to tempt you, trying to oppress you, trying to trouble you, you've got something on the inside that the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you are built from the inside out there is nothing that can destroy you when the floods rise you all stand strong the issues of life I I looked this word up issues it had three meanings in it the first meaning was this source in parentheses of life you get your life from your heart, the inside of who you are. Now listen, uh, that, that goes against most of our teachings and most of our preachings because we think we're in spiritual warfare and we're battling all this stuff on the outside. The biggest battle we have is making sure to keep our heart diligently. The second meaning, I liked this one, it meant outgoing or extremities. In parentheses, it said, of borders. In other words, the bigger you get, the stronger you get, is not based on what you can gather and what you can bring in. The stronger you get and the larger you get is what is God doing in you. Why do you have to have the Holy Ghost? Why do you have to have the Spirit of God? Why do you have to have the Word of God? Why does the Bible say eat of His Word? Why does it? Because as it gets into us, it strengthens us. It builds us. It expands our territory. It it makes us bigger than what we really are because on the inside, we can only house so much anointing and it's going to start spilling out unless He expands the borders. And then the last one, the issues of life, escape, in parenthesis, from death. When you guard your heart diligently, out of it, it's how you escape death. Give me just a few more minutes. Verse 24. Put away from thee. Get rid of it. A froward mouth. That word froward means uh, distorted or crooked. And a perverse lips put far from thee. Get rid of that. Let your eyes look right on. Let your eyelids look straight before you. Trish started saying a couple years ago, you can't look to the left and you can't look to the right. And you can't look behind you. Your eyes have to be set. Set on the pride. Can I tell you, if your eyes are in the right spot, if you're looking at the right thing, can I tell you what made David mess up? He looked in the wrong direction. The Bible says he looked over and saw Bathsheba. He was looking in the wrong direction. The man after God's own heart messed up because his eyes got turned aside. Can I tell you, my friend, in this maintenance zone right now, that God is trying to tell somebody, don't get distracted by the flashing lights all around you. He called you for a purpose. He anointed you for a purpose. Look straight ahead. Get your eyes fixed on the prize. Your prize is bigger than anything on the sides. Ponder the path of your feet. That word ponder means to make level or to balance. Has anybody ever gone to one of those weird houses where everything is off balance? 
freaks you out, gets you dizzy. Can I just tell you that there's too many spiritual houses that are built like that and they haven't pondered or balanced where they walk? I, I, I know that I'm what the old timers would have said, shucking corn today. I know this isn't a feel-good message. But I believe that God has stepped into this house to challenge us. You've got to figure out where you're looking and what you're walking on in order for the issues of life to come from a proper place. My heart grieves when I watch people who once knew the Lord, once were on fire for God, once that would do anything if God called them to do it, but they have waxed cold. Their heart has become weak. They have been distracted by the flashy things of this world. And they have chosen a different path because they didn't ponder where they were walking. And today their life is out of balance. And today their life is a mess. And today their life is turned upside down. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus is calling you to a life of balance, a life of joy, a life of peace, abundant life life in him 27 turn not to the right hand nor to the left remove your foot from evil this is Solomon talking the wisest dude and he's saying move your feet from evil can I tell you Evil is anything that goes against God and what God has spoken into your heart. You just got to move your feet. Run from it. The New Testament says it this way. Flee from youthful lusts. That doesn't mean young person's lusts. That means immature lust. See, God's not looking to grow a bunch of immature people. There's enough immature people in the world today. He doesn't need any more of those. He's wanting to take us and dig our roots as deep as they can go so that we can rise as high as can be. I, I learned a lot this earlier this summer from the great city of Coon Rapids. I had a tree that was damaged in 2008 before we moved in. And it was a boulevard tree and it was growing out at an angle. And they kept trimming the side over the street so it was really a weird looking tree. Finally, the tree started to split and so I called the city and said, hey listen, you need to come and check this out because if you get a breath of wind, there may be a car that gets hit. They came out and they said, yeah, it's got to go. So they came out and cut it down. And then they removed the stump. And they messed, left a blank spot in our yard. Jason would have been proud. I get an email from the city and said, okay, you get a new tree. You get to pick one of five kinds of trees. Me, get to choose which kind of a tree. Like I have any idea what's a good tree or not a good tree. We searched it out, and we decided what tree we wanted. And I'm thinking, oh, great, they're going to come and they're going to plant it, and it's going to be taken care of, it's going to grow. They planted it. And they left this note on the door. Here's what you've got to do to make sure the tree grows. Mm, I'm such a green thumb. You have to put two or three gallons of water on it every day for the first two weeks. After the first two weeks, you've got to do that two or three times a week. 
until you, until, to get the roots to settle into the ground so that when the winds begin to blow, there's something to hold it to the ground. I learned something there. This tree is going to eventually be a very pretty tree. It's going to give us nice shade in our front yard. There's a couple of things that I've noticed, though. It looks out of place in our neighborhood. Because we've got a mature neighborhood. All the boulevard trees are the big, tall, massive things that drop a ton of leaves. I do look forward to the fact that I don't have to rake my front yard this year. But in our neighborhood, that tree sticks out like a sore thumb. Can I tell you something? When God begins to measure your heart and your building, and st- you're not going to look like everybody else. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. It doesn't mean you're less. It doesn't mean you're more. It means he's doing a brand new thing in you. Don't hesitate to rest in the growing season where your roots are going down deep. Don't get so Uh, uh, anxious that you've got to look like that tree down the street and you've got to look like that mature tree who has years and years and years and years of growth and you've just started my friend you are designed to be what you are right now get those roots down let the nutrients come because in a few years those trees are going to be dead And you're still going to be growing. Hey, listen, I know you're laughing, but here's the bottom line. I told you, unless I live to 104, my years are greater behind me than they are in front of me. Can I just tell somebody, somebody has to get this. These kids that are down here that are listening to the thing, believe it or not, they're listening. They're hearing. Trust me. I I know because I was one of them that crawled around under the pews and ours was tiles. So we tried to slide as far as we could from the back to the front and the preacher wouldn't notice. Don't, don't, don't. I was, I was there. Like they are. Don't, don't, don't pressure them. But here's the thing they need to know. Is they may not be where they're at now. But there's coming a day if the Lord should tarry. When my name is going to be called. And I'm going to go to my resting place in glory. And somebody's got to take my place. And I pray that there is a tree that's being planted right now for the person that's lived it for 52 years, that there's a brand new tree whose roots are getting deep so that when I have to get cut down, that there's someone coming in behind me. It's talking about building. Solomon, the wisest man. I close with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 13. He has spent the first 12 plus chapters explaining life. The wisest man explains life in Ecclesiastes. We like reading the first part. There's a time for this and a time for that, and there's a time for laughing and a time for crying. There's a time for growing, and there's a time for resting, and, there's a, and, and we like those. He ties it all up in this last scripture. Verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This whole thing called life. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The reason why Jesus saved you. The reason why he took you out of your addiction. The reason why he planted you on a pew. The reason why he has you raising children in a pew. The reason why you come to the house of God. This is the conclusion of everything that we are. Fear God. Now I always thought, that meant awe. Well, be in awe of God. Be in awe of God. That's easy to do. I've lived by the ocean. I've been to beaches where you can't see anything but water. I can be awed by God. <clears throat> we were up north last week, and, and, and Monday night it was crystal clear outside. And we could stand on the deck 
and the stars were being reflected in the lake. Just awesome. But can I tell you that that's not what that word means? That word means awe. But the commandment of this is not Solomon telling me that I should have awe for God. That word fear, the way it's written in the Hebrew, is simply this, or the Aramaic. I can't remember which one it's written in, but one of the two. It means this. When he says for us to fear, what he's really saying according to what this word really means is that we are supposed to inspire reverence to God. Do you see the difference? He doesn't just want us to have awe, but the conclusion of everything that we do is to live our lives so it inspires somebody else to have awe of God. Hey, don't ever degrade or be inhibited by what God has done for you because he did it for you for the purpose that you would inspire somebody else to receive the awesomeness of God. I don't care where you came from, what you've done, where you've been. The gentleman that I talked about was somebody that was in Oak Park, maximum security. God got a hold of him there. And since then, he's been inspiring people to have an awesomeness of God. (laughs) Let my life, let the house that I've built from the inside out, let it inspire somebody to look at God in a reverent, awesome manner because that's the conclusion of all this thing called life. Can I just tell you There is coming a day where a history book will be written and what a person in this world accomplished is not going to mean anything. We hold in respect, and I believe we should, people like Albert Einstein and some of the some of the great men and women throughout history that have done so much for our cultures and for our, uh, the history that we have. But can I tell you there's coming a day when we're going to stand on the shores of glory and it ain't going to matter that somebody figured out that there was the law of gravity because we're going to be gravity free. We're going to be caught up together with the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Can I tell you on that day I don't think I'm going to remember my favorite athletes. I don't think that Bobby Orr is going to mean a whole lot to me even though I believe he was the greatest hockey player of all time. Yes, better than Wayne Gretzky. It isn't going to matter that my dad signed autographs with Alan Page. As great as a man as Alan Page may or may not have been, when I get to heaven, his name's probably not going to register. Can I tell you, when I get to heaven, the history books are not going to mean a whole lot about what happened and what took place and which general did which and which president did this and which prime minister and king and queen did that. Can I tell you the names that are going to start coming into my pathway? The names are going to be people like John Barkas who taught me how to pray. People are going to be like S.G. Norris who taught a love of the word of God. Robert Saban, men that ministered into my life. My dad will come across my mind. I will, I'll have Sunday school teachers that I know that I, I can't remember a word that they taught, but I remember they were there every week. I, 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 what, what am I trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. The people that you're going to remember on that day when the trumpet sounds is the people that feared God, that inspired in you a desire for the awesomeness of God. There's people that I've never met that I can't wait to get to heaven to meet. 
because they're my spiritual hero. I can't wait to meet, there's an old time preacher, I can't wait to meet him. His name is Jeff Arnold. He's been pastoring in Gainesville, Florida for a long time. He's a preacher of preachers. I love to listen to him preach. I can't wait to meet him for the first time because his messages have changed my life. Can I, can I, can I give you one step further than that? That's just me. You want to know what I learned a long time ago? Again, it was a cassette ministry. I don't know what it is about cassette ministries. In Kansas City, I would teach the Sunday school hour. Three times a month I would teach, and they would record it all. And somebody decided, without my knowledge, to send one of those cassettes to a lady in Colorado. I've never met this lady to this day. But she credits me with inspiring her to God. You don't know who you're affecting. You don't know who you're inspiring. Can I tell you that of all the people that I have preached to, John Barkus doesn't maybe realize that he has affected some of you? Hear this. He doesn't know. He's been gone to Jesus for a while, but his fingerprint is in my spirit. It's in my prayer. And every time I come to this pulpit, if you have been inspired by any teaching or preaching, it's partly because of John Barkus. He's going to get to heaven, and some of you are going to meet him for the first time and say, hey, listen, John, I know you don't know me, but there was a, a weird-looking preacher in Coon Rapids that was preaching, and he was inspired to serve God because of who you are and because of who you were to him. He became to me, and now I'm standing here. You don't know who you're inspiring you don't know who you're living for. It's the conclusion of the whole matter to fear God and keep his commandments. That's not the Ten Commandments. That means keep whatever he tells you. How can you say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? See, here's the whole purpose of life. This is the whole conclusion of everything about life. Inspire people to awesomeness of God and to do what he says. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter which car you drive. It doesn't matter. I have a maintenance-free home. I have spent more money maintaining that maintenance-free home in the last two years than I'd like to admit. But then I want you to notice this last statement. Can you bring that scripture up one more time on the screen? Look at this last phrase. For this is the whole duty of man. Inspire awesomeness of God. Do what he says. And the Bible says, for this is the whole duty. Now, what you don't see on the screen, that if you have an actual King James Bible, is that word duty is in italicized, which means that the interpreters added it supposedly for clarification. Sometimes their clarification helps. Sometimes it doesn't. In fact, if you look up the word duty in this scripture, in Strong's, in, in Thayer, in all of the comments, you're not going to find it. It's just going to have the word duty. There's no meaning for it because it was added. It wasn't part of the original manuscript. So if you take the word duty out of it, it means a whole lot more. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole man. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. You want to be a whole house built from the inside out? You want to be strong when the winds begin to blow? You want to be sturdy and stable? Here's how you do it. It will make you whole. Fear God and keep his commandments. Inspire others and do what he says, and you will be whole. 
you will be whole. I invite you to stand. I'm asking you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to begin to look at your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. My question to you today is, is the door of your heart open to anything else besides the Lord? I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that. But is your heart open to anything else beside the Lord? Or have you put that heart in a box and asked God to close the door and lock the door, only allowing him in? Have you inspected yourself? Have you been to the foundation of who you are? Have you avoided this message because you knew that the foundation had some problems? Oh, God, let us be built on the rock. Lord, more than anything, help us, God to be totally consumed with the conclusion of the whole matter. Help us to live our lives to inspire others. Help us live our lives no matter what storm we're going through, no matter what circumstance we're facing, no matter what problem we're, we're confronting. God, help us to live our lives inspiring awe in you and help us to do what you say. Here's what I'm asking us to do. In your own way, the best way to inspect your foundation is to step into the spirit of repentance because you know and I know that all of us have allowed leaks into our foundation because we're frail and feeble. So would you take this moment to lift your voice and your spirit and your heart and just tell the Lord how sorry you are for letting your foundation get some leaks and that you're wanting him to go in and let a fresh coat of waterproofing go in and, and a let fresh anointing of, of a foundation be laid. Jesus, I'm asking you to create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Search my heart, O oh God. And if there be any unclean thing, I'm asking you to purge me and cleanse me with the washing of water by your word. I'm asking, Lord, for a fresh anointing. Lord, my foundation has failed and faltered. I'm asking you to repair me today. I'm asking you, Lord, to replace the door of my heart so that I can guard it diligently. I'm asking you, God, to go into every corner of my life and cleanse me and purify Purify me and justify me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Because God, I need to be on the rock and not on the sand. I need you to go into the depths of who I am and fix the foundation of who I am so that when the waves rise and the winds blow, that I'm sitting on the right foundation that I have the right strength, that I don't struggle, that I don't trip, that I don't fall, but I stand as the cedars of Lebanon against the rivers of water so that people around me may understand what I'm facing, but they see me standing nonetheless, and it inspires somebody to draw closer to you. And God, I'm asking you today to cleanse my mind. Wash my thoughts. Wash my perspectives. Lord, clean out my ears. 
let me hear you. Let me have my eyes focused on you. Let me run my race looking only to you, the author and the finisher of it. Lord, help me not to look to the right or to the left, but God, help me to hear what you're speaking. Lord Jesus, let me to do what you're asking me to do. Give me a boldness, God, to be a tree that sticks out among the forest. Help me, Lord Jesus, not to cower in a corner, but to step forward in the boldness of who you are in me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. just before we dismiss would you just reach to the person next to you and put your hand on their shoulder and just begin to pray for one another I, I know this has been a deep message this is something you can chew on all week this is a challenge that's going forth by the hand of God to rebuild, to restructure to do what you need to have done in your life to make sure that you're strong and forceful in this last day I pray for each person in this room God Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together with the love of the Lord. Bind us together in the power and the mercy of Almighty God. Lord, I don't know what my neighbor is going through. I don't know what is battering in their house. I don't know what kind of flood has gotten into their basement, God, but I'm asking you right now, by the authority of your word and the power that's in your blood, would you release your fresh anointing? Would you release a fresh touch? Lord, would you release a fresh awe into their spirits even now and begin to reconstruct them the way they need to be and so they can withstand in this evil day, having done all to stand in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, Lord. My soul says yes. My soul says yes. Isn't he good? I want to challenge you this week. I want you to take this week and evaluate. I'm not asking you to pick something else up and start to do something for God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm asking you to evaluate your foundation. One of my favorite... TV stations is HGTV. Not because I can do any of it, I just like watching it. But there's one show that almost every episode they walk down into the basement and they they recognize right off the bat, well, before we do anything, there's some foundation work that needs to happen. I'm asking you to go to your basements this week. Between you and Jesus, do a foundation inspection. Because here's what I believe. I believe that God is moving in Spirit of Grace Church. And if this is your first time to be here, welcome, welcome. It's the last time you're a first-time guest. Next week, you're just one of us. And, and, And... I believe that God is in the process of elevating this people to reach into areas that we've never dreamed of reaching. I've got to tell you, there are some people in here that have been having dreams of things. And I don't know what it all means, and sometimes there's a warning to it, and sometimes there's not. But God is getting ready to spread our borders. He's getting ready to move us into areas and dimensions that we can't walk in if the foundation is not solid.
And so I am asking you, well, pastor, how do I do that? You have to inspect honestly everything about you. Are you watching the right thing, listening to the right thing, reading the right thing, talking to the right people, going to the right places? I could be standing in chain breakers right now. It's, it's all of us. Whether you come from an addictive background, uh, an abusive background, a hateful background, a joyful background, a righteous background, all of us have to deal with these foundational issues. So find your place with him this week in prayer and say, Lord, walk with me. And when he starts to drop some things in your mind, don't just shoo it away. And I'm telling you, I'm warning you now, some of it's going to hurt. Because some of it's going to say, there's this crack of an attitude over here. Uh, We need to address this attitude. I've been there. Sometimes God has to get so... Because Randy ain't the only hard-headed one. And sometimes it's... Because Taryn ain't the only one with the big head either. And if you weren't in Sunday school, you don't know what I'm talking about. You should have been here at 930. It's all of us. My prayer time this week is going to be focused on God, walk through my storehouse. Walk in my basement. Is my sump pump working? Is my foundation dry or have I let things in? Have I let an attitude in? Have I let a trouble in? Have I let a spirit in because of something I've been listening to or watching? Is there confusion that has seeped into me because of something I've been listening to, something I've been reading, something I've been doing? Is there a temptation that has stuck into the the basement of my life, the foundation of who I am because I have been enticed by that temptation because I was in a place where I shouldn't have been? So when we gather again next week, we've done the inspection. Now we can work on the good stuff. I love you all so much. God bless you. Have a great week in your inspection time.